0: What's going on, family? This is Pastor Sergio Chavez, and I just want to thank you for tuning into the Hope Center podcast. Amen. Amen. All right, point number one, write this down. The first thing that we're going to find in this story is that Jesus changes the image you have of yourself. So he first works internally. He works with the mind. Let's throw the scripture up. We're going to start our reading, this is John chapter 4, and I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Where we start our reading, Jesus is on his way to Galilee, and to get to Galilee he has to pass through a town, a city called Samaria, and as he's passing through Samaria, he gets tired on the journey, and so he stops at a well, in this instance it's Jacob's well, and he sits to take a rest. And this is when the Samaritan woman is approaching him with her water jar, and she's... And the story says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now there's so much that just happened in three verses. So I want us to break this down. First and foremost, The scripture lets us know that this woman came to the well to draw water, so she was holding her water jar. But the interesting thing about the story is that she shows up alone. During this time, if you know anything about the customs and the practices during this time, women did not go to draw water from the well alone. They went in groups. It was always groups of women who traveled together. And it was only women who were considered outcasts or who had completely lost respect in their communities who traveled alone. That meant that this woman had no friends. That meant that this woman was full of failures, mistakes. Something had taken place in this woman's life for her to be making a journey to draw water from the well every single day on her own. So what I want you to understand is that The the jar, the water jar for this woman, every day that she picked it up, it was a constant reminder of the journey that she was getting ready to take by herself. It was a constant reminder of her failures, it was a constant reminder of her mistakes, it was a constant reminder that she was subordinate, that she was an outcast, a constant reminder that she had been counted out. In society this woman had three strikes one she was a Samaritan and Samaritans and Jews did not associate with each other the Jews were considered to be the pure race and Samaritans were this mixed breed so no we ain't gonna we're not gonna relate to each other you stay where you are and I'm gonna stay right here so one she's a Samaritan strike one number two on top of that she's a woman it was already bad enough being a Samaritan but on top of that to have to be a woman women were already seen as subordinates in society they weren't given the same equal treatment that we are seeing women receive today. So as a woman already she had a lower self of respect that was put upon her by society. and now the third strike which we later find out on the, in the story is that on top of that she wasn't very good at keeping a man. So was she an adulteress was she sleeping around? whatever it is that she was doing, three strikes she was out. So every time she picked up that water jar, It was a constant reminder of her baggage. And so for us, how many of us walk around every day, routine, we don't even know we've got it. We just carry around our baggage, whether it's hurt from past relationships, guilt and shame from the past. But the moment we're up in the morning, we walk out of our doors. We carry our baggage with us. And the problem is not the baggage, because we've all got a bag full of issues. For some of us, this bag is full of issues in our marriage, full of issues in our families, full of labels that people have placed on us from birth that we can't shake off. You're not going to mount to anything. Why do you think you're going to try to get that education that's not going to work for anything? What makes you think you can apply for that job? You don't have the credentials. Whatever the case might be, we have bags that are full of issues. And the problem is not the baggage. The problem is when we carry the baggage and we use it as an excuse. I said the problem is when we carry the baggage because what happens? If I'm asked to perform a task, all of a sudden, where are my hands? we use our baggage as an excuse it's not like Jesus was asking this woman to do much it was a simple drink of water but her baggage the image that she had of herself was the excuse she used to not perform the task look at what the scripture says she says you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan in other words did you just ask me to you think Jesus didn't know who she was But she's like, let me just remind you, in case you don't know who I am. How many times do we do that to God? In case you don't know who I am and what I'm capable of. I am a Samaritan and I'm a woman. So her excuse is, whatever perception I have of myself, whatever you're asking me to do, I can't do it. And how many times do we place excuses before God? that we're not qualified, that we're not fit, that we're not ready, that the timing isn't right, that the task that he's asking us to perform, we're not equipped for it. How many excuses do we present to God? Oh, I can't, you know God, I just got married, so I got, you know, this is my honeymoon phase. And then after you're done with that, oh, well, I can not now God, because now I got the kids. And, and then after the kids grow up, oh, you know, I can't now God, because now I'm old, uh, you know. And excuse after, when we're young, oh, I can't now, God, because you know my youth, I've got I've to gotta enjoy it, I've got to live it up. Excuses after excuses, and we present our baggage to him, and we say, I, I can't do what you're asking me to do. As if God doesn't know who we are. When he calls us to do something, no matter how small the task might be, how insignificant it might seem, do you think that God doesn't know what we are capable of doing? Our own creator who holds the manual to who we are, if he has called us to do something, it's because he has equipped us to do it. And if we don't feel equipped now, he's going to equip us to do it. But we can't use our baggage as an excuse. Look at how he responds to her. I love this. Jesus responds to her, he says, I imagine he almost like chuckled and shook his head. He goes, woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. In other words, he's saying, if you knew that my grace was sufficient to take your mess and to take you just as you are, to redeem you, to save you, to purify you, to sanctify you, to propel you in the direction that I am asking you to do. If you knew that my grace was sufficient to take it all and to still give you the victory in the midst of the storm, you would be asking me to give you what I have. And so what tends to happen is a lot of times we think that when God starts with us in the small things, this is why we can't despise small beginnings. This woman we're going to find out later became, well, became one of the first preachers in Samaria. But it all started with a simple, give me a drink. And it's our obedience to the small things, that allow God to do miraculous things around us and through us. It's our obedience to the small things like putting up lights or setting up sound or being part of a worship team or greeting people in the lobby that propels us in the direction that God wants us to go. It's our obedience in the small tasks, the things that we might find insignificant, the things that we think nobody's seeing what I'm doing, nobody's grateful for what I'm doing, I don't know if I'm appreciated, I don't know if this is even doing anything for anybody. It's your obedience in the small things that moves God to do incredible things. You know for me, I'm gonna share this very quickly, for me, when I first started in ministry, I started with children. The ministry of people, you know, sometimes are like, children? <laughs> oh, that ain't nothing for me. When I first came to, to Christ, 15 years old, I signed up for children's ministry. I was like, you know, nobody wants to help out, so, so I'm gonna be part of children's ministry. It was in children's ministry that I learned to have a love and appreciation for the Word of God. It was in children's ministry that I learned stories like this. I didn't go into children's ministry prepared, but he equipped me in that assignment. Even through that, right after children's ministry, I was signing up for, you know those, I don't know if you guys had this in your old churches uh, or you know people from other churches where they have pro templos and you sign up once a month to cook from 6 in the morning to 10 p.m. at night to raise funds to build the temple. And even after the temple is built, you don't know why you're still on this team, but it's still (laughs) running anyway. You know what I'm saying? I signed up for that and, you know, I'm missing a whole day, a whole Sunday to help build front. You think people noticed me in the kitchen? But God did. You think people noticed me when I signed up to clean up classrooms, to pick up people's trash, to clean bathrooms, you think people noticed me then? That was 15 years ago. I spent three years doing that. Four years later, God, three years after that, God promotes me to adolescent ministry, the ministry that nobody wanted to touch because, oh, 12 to 18, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) We ain't dealing with those kids. They got identity issues. And God opened a door for me to work in adolescent ministry. I spent seven years in adolescent ministry, putting my time, my money, my energy, I didn't receive a dime for seven years. I didn't receive recognition, but I did it because I said, God, whatever it is that you are calling me to do, you're gonna equip me for it. From there, promoted to being a youth pastor. I did that for five years. I thought adolescent ministry was hard. Working with young adults is even harder. They're already setting their ways, and you're like, if I could just shake you up and 15 years later 15 years to get to this i don't take this lightly because i've put in sweat equity blood tears energy time finances i have dedicated my life To be be here, right now. And I wouldn't be able to do this effectively if I hadn't gone through the process for those 15 years. It was my obedience in the small things that allowed God to do miraculous things, even 15 years later. So don't ever underestimate even the small things that you are doing now for the kingdom. It is all working out for the good. I spent too much time on that. Let's move on. Come on, say, Pastor, point number two. All right, number two, he confronts our lifestyle. So, after he works on the mind, the image that we have of ourselves, he now works on the outside. Why does he do that? Because at the end of the day, you know, you can tell me all you want. I'm a believer. God is working in me. You know, there's amazing things that are taking place. But I can't judge what's happening on in here in your heart and in your mind but I can draw conclusions from the way that you are living your life so Christ says I'm I've dealt with this woman's mind I'm letting her know that my grace is sufficient that I can do whatever it is that I need to do in her life even in her mess for her to perform and fulfill the task and the mission that I'm setting ahead of her. But now, because of all the issues that she has, I've gotta deal with what's on the outside. Because if she goes now to talk to the people, nobody's gonna believe her. There has to be a lifestyle change. And so John four fifteen through 17 says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband And come back. And she goes, Mahu? Um sir, I don't have a husband. And he replies, You're right when you say that you have no husband. As a matter of fact, you've had five. And the one that you have right now, honey, he ain't even yours. So yeah, what you've said is true. And she's like, Did he Are you a prophet? Because now this woman is like, how is it that this man is now revealing to me everything that I've ever done? You see, the issue was that this woman had a habit of jumping from one man to the next. So Jesus had to point out her error in her lifestyle and correct her in love. And so he's like, "This this is what your current situation is. I know. But even with all of that, I can still use you. But here's what needs to change. Honey, you've had five. The one you with right now ain't even yours. We gotta, <laughs> let's work on that. Because if this lifestyle doesn't change, nobody's gonna believe you. Nobody's gonna believe that you have had an encounter with me. So the question here today is, what has God been confronting you about that may be prohibiting you from taking the next steps? What is the lifestyle change that needs to take place in your life? for God to do what he needs to do. What is God challenging you to change? Is it your temper? Maybe you get heated like real quick. You know, somebody's like, hey, can you Maybe you're very aggressive, or maybe you're pessimistic. You got a bad attitude 99.9% of the time. And maybe God is working with you in your attitude. Or maybe you're just dishonest, like we can't trust what you say because you say one thing one day and then the next day you're doing something else. So maybe he's working with you on being sincere and being more integrate in your walk. Or maybe it's your lack of compassion. Or maybe it's your word choice or your tonality or your behavior. Whatever it might be, what is God challenging you with today? Unforgiveness? Maybe you've spent a lot of time holding on to some resentment and he's like, you just got to let it go because that person is sleeping mighty well at night and here you are twisting and and turning in your bed losing sleep over something that this person doesn't even care about. Or maybe it's your priorities. Maybe your priorities are not right. Or maybe it's your lack of commitment. Or maybe it's your overcommitment. You said at the beginning of the year you were going to do 55 things and we're in March and you haven't even done one. What is it that God is challenging you with today? And the list goes on. I'm not even going to keep giving you guys more examples because at the end of the day with every, for everybody this is personal and there was a list that already came to your mind as I asked the question. But it's amazing to know that God doesn't leave us alone during these times. The word of God says that Jesus as he was getting ready to ascend from heaven, he told the disciples, he said, I leave with you a helper. He will abide in you and with you. You know, the issue that we have sometimes as believers is that we don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. We don't realize that as we come to Christ, the moment we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And so whenever we have questions about certain circumstances or issues that are taking place in our lives, we tend to run to other people or other things or other experiences, hoping that somehow we're going to find an answer, when all along the Holy Spirit is like, I'm I'm right here. Take a moment to get on your knees and ask me, what is the direction I want to take you in? And I've learned over the years that I spent a lot of time in my Christian walk reaching out for God when all along God was telling me, I want you to reach in because I'm already here. And so that intuition that we have when we come to Christ, that innate feeling, that gut feeling, that voice within that oftentimes when we ask other people the question, the Holy Spirit has already given us an answer. We've got to learn to trust that the Holy Spirit knows what's best and obey the voice that is within and know that God is faithful and he is never going to tempt you with more than you can bear. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out. Whenever you're in a situation when you're saying, God, I can't bear this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I can't endure this anymore. If God is allowing the situation to continue, if God is allowing you to continue to be tested in that fire, it's because you can hold on a little bit longer. And in the nick of time, when he knows this is as far as your strength goes, his strength kicks in and he will always, the word of God says, he will always provide a way out right there where you are, just lift one hand, let's acknowledge the Holy Spirit for a moment and just say this declaration with me, Holy Spirit, speak to me, guide me, instruct me, be everything that I need in this season of my life. I give you access to my heart, to my mind. I don't want to run to other things anymore. I want to listen to your voice first. In Jesus' name, amen. Number three, and with this we close. When we have encounters with Jesus, he empowers you to be a witness to others. John 4:28 through 30 says, this is after she's had her encounter with Jesus, then leaving her water jar. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39, skipping to verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. When this woman had her encounter with Jesus, the Word of God says we can't miss this. She left her water jar with Jesus and she went back to the city and she began to preach to the same men who had already set her apart, who had outcasted her, who had disrespected her. To the same people who told her, we don't want you. She all of a sudden, putting down the baggage, gave her a boldness to go back into her city and say, I know that you guys, I know that you guys already counted me out, but let me tell you something. I met a man named Jesus and he told me everything I ever did. The purpose of an encounter with Jesus is for our lives to be transformed in such a way that we become living witnesses to others about Jesus' love. And what he does in our minds and in our hearts should begin to be reflected in the way we live our lives and from there it should push us to share with others what he's done for us. Jesus encountered one woman, one, and one encounter, then trickled hundreds of encounters with other people in her city, but it only took one. And if you're here today, it's not a coincidence, it's because you are the one. You are the one that Jesus wants to encounter because you're the only one that he needs to start a revival in your city, in your community, in your home, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you are, you are the one, that's all he needs. And what we need to understand is that there is so much that God has in store for us. There's so much that He wants to do through us. But when we come to Him, we have to be willing to let go of the bag. When we come to Him, there's a, there's a story where this man said, I was watching a video, and the man says, One night in prayer, he asked God, Lord, I'm so terribly troubled and overwhelmed, so I gave you all my burdens. Why don't I feel better? So he's this is this is us most of the time god here i am you know what i'm going through i can't take it anymore so i'm going to give you this here's my burden i bring it to you lord and then we're like "I, i feel like i'm doing everything right why why am i not feeling better and god's reply was because you haven't let it go you brought it to me but you just, you just took it right back. And so we have this constant battle with God. We're just like, God, here it is. He's like, I got it, let it go. All right, for real this time, like for real, for real this time, like I'm really, here it is. identify this is what makes me who I am you know like I can't just I can't and God is like let it go (laughs) and we have this constant struggle even in prayer (laughs) he hurt me (laughs) help me to forgive and as soon as we get up from prayer oh he's gonna get it from me we're holding on to the bag and so today to some of you God is saying let it go the promise is not that you won't have the baggage letting it go doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge that this exists letting it go doesn't mean that our lives are not full of issues but what letting it go means is that we walk away with open hands to be able to serve freely letting it go means every single time an issue comes I'm gonna put it at the feet of the cross And I'm gonna say, Jesus, this is what I'm going through. But I am trusting in you to handle it. I am trusting in you to take care of it. I am trusting that you've got me covered, that you've got my back, that you've got my family. I am trusting that you know what's best. I am trusting your plan for me. I am trusting that the assignment that you have given me, you are equipping me for it. So I put it here and I walk away so that I can serve you with all that I am and give you all that I have. I want to give you access to who I am. Use me. We can't have God use us. Use me, Lord. Use me, I'm here. And he says, go serve my people. And we just... Let me help you with that. You can't be efficient when you're holding on to the baggage. So today, for some of us, Jesus is saying, it's time to let it go. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I hope that you join us the next time. If you are in the DMV area, please make sure to come out on a Sunday at 1.30 p.m. You can find more information at myhopecenter.org. And you can also stay connected to us on social media. We are at My Hope Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can search us up, connect with us. And uh, I hope to hear from you all and see you all very soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.